The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith My health anxiety is more under control when I am racing. I feel strong and confident. At the height of my hypochondria, a headache is a previously undiagnosed brain tumour. Trapped wind is colon cancer. Night sweats, one of the five silent killers that WebMD and Google warn us about. But running injuries are never catastrophized in the same way. I'm never dying of a strained quad or a niggle in my groin or ankle. Barren periods in my race calendar can cause me to dip psychologically, but the running has helped me from the off. It was the reason I took up running after all. Back at the tail end of 2011, laying in the ICU of the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, surrounded by people who were actually dying, I decided to take a stand against my biggest nemesis. Cognitive behavioural therapy followed, but if anything, that made me focus more on the moment and what I call my hype. It is that whole ironic process theory when you are told not to think about a polar bear, and then you do. In fact, it's all you can think about. You can't help yourself. I tried to use CBT, the Cognitive Behavioural Therapy Techniques, to flatten the curve of my health anxiety. Distraction was good and worked. Try to focus on something else. Alcohol worked best. Three pints in and I always forget what my latest terminal illness is. But it was running that really helped me. It gave me something that I didn't know I needed. You see, the therapy took turns here and there, but it would be a discovery as 2012 appeared in the sunlight of a new day, head dull with a hangover from New Year's Eve, that changed it all. When I would have a hypochondriosis episode, it would prompt me into action. I would create a detailed and achievable to-do list of tasks to make my remaining life worthwhile. To make me feel like I've accomplished something and that this whole thing has not been a waste of time. After all, you do only have one life. You only get one shot at it. This was interesting in that it meant that the root cause of my hypochondria was that I felt that I needed to achieve something that I could be proud of. And it made me question whether I ever achieved anything that I was proud of before that. My career, as I have mentioned before, uh, has been by all accounts a successful one. But I never really tried too hard to get on. I didn't worry about not getting an interview or promoted because I don't think I cared enough about it. Sure, I have worked my entire adult life in jobs some would class as stressful. But I got them without trying too hard. It was never a concern of mine that I would be without work at any period. I would go into an interview with the idea that if I didn't get this one, I would just get the next or the next or the next. And I did get the jobs, though. And I could do the work to the best of my abilities. So looking at it critically, 
the jobs didn't mean so much to me because I didn't put the effort in to get them. I was not scared that I would never get a job. And in the recesses of my brain, this made me feel that the ones that I had didn't matter or were less important. And it was the same with my education. You know, GCSEs, you know, I was the first year to do two years, of both years of GCSEs. Um, and we all got them. I think it was 10 we all did in the first year. Then we got A-levels. I, I have engineering qualifications and, and then to degrees. If I didn't study hard, I would still pass. And I was never bothered if I got an A or a C. Or if I got a first or a Desmond, you know, a tutu. After all, it didn't matter because people don't really care about the grades you got. They care about the level of education that you attained. No one puts their GCSE results on a CV unless it's your first one. I mean, who would care? And so that was also something in my life that defined me, much like my career, but was also something that I didn't put much effort into and therefore wasn't really worried about failing. It wasn't worthless, but it felt like it was worth less. I reset my core module in my freshman year at university. And I was the only member of the class to pass the reset. My first master's degree, I failed propositional and predicate calculus. However, I did pass the reset of that as well. I didn't care about the result. As long as I passed, I was happy. So in a nutshell, before we ramble on too much about my mental health, my hypochondria was a way for my brain to process my perceived lack of achievement and that the lack of worth I felt about myself and the things that I've done. And what it did then was try to prompt me into action. That headache or trapped wind or those night sweats weren't any of those things. They may have been a physical manifestation but it was a trigger that my subconscious brain was waiting for to sound the bugle, to charge into something that would mean more to me because I needed something to care about, failing for once. I needed something that I felt I could not do and having broken bits of me at university several times, I had not run or done any sort of exercise for over 20 years when it came to me. My wife at the time and her workmate and one of my friends had signed up for the Amsterdam Marathon in 2012 and the Dublin Marathon a fortnight later. And there it was, my challenge. At the time, mid-winter, my knee would swell with acute tendonitis and a baker cyst would try to counter it by filling behind the knee and trying to straighten my leg. Walking to work in the city, I would get shin splints, just trying to move a little faster or a little slower. There was no way that I could run at all. 
And that became my challenge, a challenge that would mean something more to me if I succeeded, because there was a real chance I could fail every single time I found myself at a start line. And trust me, with my DNFs, I could feel the pressure building. There is a chance that I could fail. This, therefore, will mean something to me if I get over that finish line. It was a challenge that was worth praise in my eyes. And it makes me feel like I've turned the corner on my health anxiety and that I am finally winning. Although, at the time of recording, we have just been through, whatever it is, five months of no racing due to COVID. But that's something we can discuss another time. And so running started to tame the beast. And the quest to join the 100 Marathon Club, to go further if I couldn't run faster. That flag planted in the ground as a sign of victory. It keeps the monster of my hypochondria at bay. And I love how it makes me feel about myself. And the online haters, the red-headed harpies and wannabe coaches who want to do nothing more than drag you down. Well, they can go and fuck themselves in the ear. I will complete this quest somehow. I will do it how I want even if some of those races are pretty fugly. Talking of which, number 17, the Relativity Run, 28th of November 2017. With five weeks to go before the end of the year, from being comfortable and achievable, my 12 in 12 challenge was suddenly in jeopardy. My summer DNFs combined with a couple of non-starters meant I had to bite the bullet and sign up for whatever was available. And what this meant was two of my last three marathons of the year would be timed lap races organised by SVN and Phoenix Running. And this one, the SVN, would be on a Tuesday. I had mentioned that I could have been an extra marathon ahead or two if the Bowie-themed SVN race had gone to plan in Gravesend. Instead, we all called it quits early, had a hot chocolate and headed home. It would not be the only race I didn't manage to chalk up in 2017. As I said, it was my year of DNFs. I'd re resigned myself to that on the long, hot freeways of South Africa and the nigh-impossible climbs of Switzerland. I was not expecting to be in the same position running loops around a long-forgotten racetrack just outside Stratford-upon-Avon. The Shakespeare Raceway Marathon was a bit grim. It was wet. It was cold. It would be a multi-lap race with a pretty tight five-hour cut-off, so no slacking there and I would be trying out a new fueling method. I would be using a popular powdered drink that you can sip the whole time, rather than take on regular gels or real food during the race. It was a pretty good concept. Loads of people love it. I used it a bit of stones, but I'd never tried it for a whole race. 
The twins, Colin and Keith, would be there too, one broken and one not. And I would see them at the start in the rundown bar area that, for what must have been a decent venue at some point, but was now dilapidated and soon to be bulldozed. And to be fair, good riddance to it. It looked like a bit of a hole. I would see the guys on the laps until one dropped out and until I had to rush to one of the portaloos to projectile vomit up the energy drink I'd sipped and call it quits for the rest of the day. The relativity run was to be part of my recovery and was Einstein-themed, naturally. Not that I'm confident that old Albert ever spent six hours running up and down the seafront in Margate, Kent. But he might have. I'm no expert, and Travis, the race director, tried to sell it this way. The theory of relativity can be illustrated by looking out at the course from here. He meant the car park that became Race HQ. It may not seem far to the turn, but the distance is only relative to how you feel when you are running it. And most people would be feeling pretty crappy. For it was part of one of those 10 marathons in 10 days that SVN offer their regular runners. And I think that this race was the fifth day, so people who were going for all 10 were pretty broken at this point. Just not as broken as they would be by the end of the week. The route passed along Margate Seafront, as far as the Turner Museum, which is the one with the disgusting uh, Tracy Emin bed in, I think, and past the foul-smelling harbour that choked you every time you passed it. It is akin to the Bog of Eternal Stench from the movie Labyrinth, if you've seen that. If you haven't, go see it now. In winter, the whole route is pretty depressing, and if you class the harbour as the high point, that just tells you how depressing it is. The view for much of the time there is dominated by the concrete sea wall that stretches around the base of the low cliffs on this part of the coast. Cliffs on one side, sea on the other. There's a wind farm to look at briefly, and there is always a bit of path that seems to have slightly more seaweed on it to break up the monotony. And there was a cafe at the midpoint, which is something to look forward to at the end of the race, or as I did, about halfway through it. So I completed the first lap in about an hour. Uh, Gary was there and Chris too, and I chatted to the pair of them. Gary's calf had this welt on it. I mean, it looked like someone had hit him with a baseball bat, but apparently it was just what it looks like after five marathons in five days. Anyway, back to it. I completed the first lap in an hour and immediately went out for the second. Music on, getting it done. With it being six mile laps, this meant I was already halfway home once I'd completed the second. But the lack of fuel, the cold, the monotony and the previous week's sickness had taken it out of me. I decided to either stop and fuel before going out onto the third lap, and then not to stop and go straight out onto the fourth and final lap, or go straight out onto the third, 
that would mean I could leisurely complete the fourth in a couple of hours, eating all the food and stopping off at one of the cafes on the route. In the end, I kind of went for a combination of the two. As I was too cold to care, I grabbed a handful of something at the race HQ, stopped at the cafe to get a hot chocolate and a Kit Kat that I walked with until the turn back to the race HQ for the final lap. From there, it was easy. You may think that this is all incredibly dull, and you would be right. It is. It is mentally tough running any long race, but one with nothing to look at and no one to speak to? You may question why I would run such an event, but I knew what I was getting into. And as long as you realise that the route will be laps, you will be fine. Those could be dull laps too. The medal will be epic, as will the goodie bag. There will be no support other than the SVN crew at Race HQ. There will be no tea, no hot food, nothing. But I'm still very glad that I did it. It was exactly the kind of race I needed after all those recent disappointments. It is, after all, a very achievable cut-off. So... Marathon number 10 of the year towards the Pancreatic Cancer UK Challenge. It was dull, but it was done and dusted. Next up, the Bovington Marathon. 